Hi there. Welcome to the Ravens Call. I'm Eric Ward-Weaver-Shervin, Gothi of the Ridgar Folk here in East Texas, and I'd like to welcome you to the show. This is a show where I ramble on about different heathen-related subjects, just kind of whatever strikes my fancy or lights my mind on fire at the time. So, big UPG warning at the beginning of these videos. Uh, this is just the way that I see the world. This is not necessarily reflective of anybody else. Uh, this does not globalize to heathenry in general. Uh, I wouldn't say that any two heathens really see the world the same way. Uh, so this is just simply my views, my insights, and my experiences going through life and uh, being heathen uh, pretty much my whole life. Uh, <laughs> a couple decades into it at this point as far as officially identifying as heathen. And I was heathen before that, I just didn't know that's what you called it. So, uh, in gist, <laughs> the big UPG warning is that I am not a hardcore recon. I am a modern heathen with modern sensibilities. Uh, see, heathenry is a tree, roots and tradition, growth towards the future. Go back and watch my previous videos to get my full stance on all of that. But you will know that uh, I take a very middle-of-the-road approach, okay? But this is just my experiences, not a hardcore recon. So there's a lot of things that uh, I will go based on experience, insight, and my own logic, etc., etc., as opposed to hardcore research. But there are certain things that I will be hardcore research about, too. It just depends. Uh, the whys are important. Anyway, all that out of the way, if you guys like these videos, if you enjoy what you see, please hit like down below. I'll give it the old thumbs up. Hit subscribe, ding the bell. This keeps you up to date on everything, uh, lets you know when I have something coming out, and the more you interact with my videos, the more like them you will see pop up, okay? Comment, all of that stuff down below. Uh, in the description section, you'll find all my contact information, so you can email. I do get back to emails, but sometimes they get lost in the shuffle. Uh, very, very busy, so do forgive me, guys, if I am way late on getting some, some emails back out. It's been busy. I leave them as unread or marked unread in my box so I know to come back to them. I just haven't got to come back to any in a while, so I'm going to get on that here as soon as I can. Um, Facebook is where I do most of my interactions over at Word-Weaver Productions. You can see the link down below. Uh, my Saraha is on there, all that kind of stuff. So, all right. So, today we're going to talk about the Oath Web. Um, when I did my previous video on hold oaths, I got a lot of follow-up questions on it. Okay, I got uh, questions about dissolving, questions about building the hold oath, questions about the oath web itself, and it made it clear to me that this is a subject that merits coming back to in a couple of different videos. And in order for the oath web aspect of things to make sense, my, my last video on Hearth Clan Tribe needed to be a thing, because in order for people to really understand the nature of oathwebbing, the oathweb, uh, you needed to understand the sovereignty of hearth with relation to tribe and how tribe really works. And so it makes a lot more sense when you look at the context of the, the hold oath in relation to the binding of hearths together within a tribal structure, okay? So let's talk some about the oathweb. Part of the reason to do a hold oath is to bring someone into the oath web. Um, and the oath web strongly ties weird between individuals, between the hearths within uh, an organization together. And it creates that gravity point and weird, come back and watch that video, uh, creates this anchor point, the solidification of a fixed point in time, you know. Um, it's one of those uh, one of those things that Doctor Who wouldn't be able to go back and fix because it's a fixed point in history. Uh, all my nerds out there, you know, all my Whovians are screaming right now, hooligans. But uh, the idea is that the oath process 
creates a strong tie in Weird, binding these two families together for as long as the oath holds. Okay? And we talked before in the last video about hearth, clan, and tribe and how those things work. Well, you obviously don't oath into your hearth. Your hearth is tied by family. Um, that is, that, that's the sib. That's the lowest, smallest, indivisible social structure. It is the tightest that it can be. It can be a single individual. It can be uh, a couple of parents and some kids. It can be just a couple. Um, can be, you know, a band of brothers that are living together. Um, but your hearth is your home. It is your roof tree. Uh, that is where that's at. And it is the people that are a member of that family, not necessarily individual. We talked about that in the whole thing, or in the Heart Clan Tribe one. Uh, that it doesn't necessarily have to be... Like, somebody who may be rooming with you is not necessarily part of your hearth. <laughs> that just... They may live under your roof tree, but that doesn't make them part of your hearth. They're a guest in your hearth. Anyway. So... Uh, hearth comes first, then clan, then tribe. We talked about that last time. When you look at the oath web, what the oath web does, like I said, solidifies those ties of weird, but you take a central leadership, whether this be Goldie, Chieftain, um, whatever your structure may be, you have this hub, uh, this individual who is the anchor for everything. And then they have individuals that oath to them directly. And then these individuals then oath out. And I know I talked some about this in the previous video. I wanted to kind of get down into some of the nitty-gritty on this. But the splintering of these separate oath web lines, um, again, is a protective layer. But what it does is it centers this individual in the middle as the epicenter of all of the oathing, right? So you've got, say, you know, your Gothi here and then his officials... You have a, a lord and thanes or goldie and jarls, whatever it is that you call your people, whatever it is you call your particular stations. You have that center point, and then those around them, and then those that may swear to them, and these swear to those. It gets convoluted. Um, there's not a set pattern for who has to oath to who. It is a tribal through or tradition. It's a tribal culture kind of thing as far as what you guys set for your tribe, for your kindred, whatever it may be, your organization. Um, you'll set the parameters for how the web is set up. But when you bring someone into the oath web, what that does is that ties them to the tribal luck. You can have people that are part of the community around, but it doesn't necessarily bind them to the tribal luck. Like we have people around Dridgar that come in and are uh, folk community is what I call them. Um, good folk is what some other people will call them. Uh, it just depends. Uh, depends on the particular tribal tribal culture. Uh, but it is the community that builds up around the core central tribe or kindred or whatever you call. Them. And these are friends. These are extended family members. These are people that come but are not necessarily part of the actual organization. But they're still a an integral part of the culture of your tribe because they're the regulars they're the people that are there all the time they they add a little flavor to things they you know they may not be tribe but it wouldn't be the same if they weren't there you know these are community and while they benefit some from the glow of the luck a little bit of the overflow of the luck of the tribe um, they're not in it you know we go back to looking at my altar as the well theory um, what you have is the luck that comes from the gods, the luck that is gathered by all of the uh, 
<clears throat> all of the people that bring luck to the tribe, the deeds of the tribe, all of this pools in the well of the tribe. And at the center of the well is that central leadership, that uh, Gothi, the chieftain, whatever. Uh, your central leadership is right there. And they become what I call the seat of luck. And this is something you will see in other people's references. Um, it's a thing. But anyway, there you have the seat of luck. Because this is the person around whom all of this coalesces. And from them it radiates out to the other individuals within the tribe. And then there's some spillover to the folk community that benefit from association with the tribe, but aren't necessarily of the tribe. Those that... If this is the well, then the leadership is at the deepest point of the pond, right? They're at the deepest point, um, totally immersed in it, and outwards and up the banks, the tribe all gathers, but they're in the water. Uh, then the folk community gathers around the edge, the rim, and they can drink from it, but they're not in it, you know? They're not down in the well, really getting the benefits of it. And this is an essential thing to think of when you're talking about the oath web. The entire reason for making an oath web is to bring those people in and keep them in that well, to keep them tight and tied. It creates a conduit through which the luck passes. And it's a two-way conduit. Sometimes you can offend people that just aren't right or are toxic or whatever, and that can tank the well. We've talked about all that before, so I won't go into the details on that again, but uh, you get the idea of that's a conduit through which the luck passes, and this central leadership becomes the seat of luck. And that's really the crux of what I want to talk about right now, because this is the other end of the whole oath aspect. Okay? We talked about the reciprocal aspects of the oath before. We've talked about the way that the, the flow of the oath works. And uh, I can talk more about the structure of the oath if we want, but that's a very tribal culture thing. And so getting into the nitty gritty on that is, uh, it could be completely off base for this particular tribe. It could be spot on for this one. It just depends because everybody builds theirs a little bit differently. There's some key elements that are always there. But seed of luck is something that I really, really want to talk about. Um, I had somebody, it was Brandon, the cat. Uh, some of you guys know him. Uh, many of you have heard me talk about him. I actually interviewed him, I think, in our Freyfaxi video uh, a while back. Uh, hit me with a great question because, sorry, I'm hitting my wire here, because he's just a smart guy and he thinks about these things. Uh, <clears throat> what is the relationship of heathenry to the idea of uh, noblesse oblige, the noble obligation. The idea behind noblesse oblige is that there is a heightened level of responsibility for the leadership to the lower ranks. You know, um, these people that swear their fealty, that feed into it, um, the higher echelon, the leadership, is responsible for these people and to these people, and the weight of their responsibility is heavier because they have more to bring to the table. And so that's very, that very much mirrors what uh, is the core element here in the seat of luck. Because all of these people that come and enter the oath web feed in their luck. They feed in their experiences, their weird, into the well of the tribe. And that falls to the leadership of the tribe for safekeeping. That seat of luck is responsible for protecting the purity of the luck, for keeping it strong for keeping the different flows of luck into the tribe 
good and strong. They're not just responsible for keeping the flow from the members coming in strong and good. They're also responsible, depending on your particular structure, uh, for keeping the flow of luck from the gods, from the sacred, down into the tribe good and strong to keep those those connections, that floodgate going. Again, if we go back to the metaphor or the simile of the <coughs> well at the base of the root of Yggdrasil, this is Urt's well. The keeper of the well is that leadership and the folk bring their luck, their weird, into the well that this is this is the tribal well and so <clears throat> that leadership takes on kind of the responsibility that the norns would in safekeeping the well in being responsible for it and in doling out its contents they still feed back up the line up the roots of Yggdrasil to the gods and then the dew from Yggdrasil drops down into the well itself bringing luck from the gods down into the well this is a great analogy for what we're going on what's going on here because the leadership is responsible for keeping that that flow with the gods you know we have it's our responsibility to make sure that our tribe is thought well of by the gods to know the favor of the gods to be friends of the gods our job in that leadership position is to make sure the gifts are received to make sure the gifts are appropriate to make sure we are repaying in that right of return to make sure that we are feeding back into that gift debt the entire idea behind that is that if we maintain the favor of the gods they continue to favor us with drippage with luck and they bless the folk and then it is through us as that conduit as that centerpiece to dole that out to the tribe you literally are telling them to go with the luck of the tribe you are blessing them with the luck of the tribe and so that's that's a key element on what's going on within a ritual because that person that is facilitating the ritual becomes that center conduit for that luck and we're going back to ritual structure now although that feeds down into the individual through the altar all of this it's a channeling process um, there's several different types of magical work uh, and there's channeling there's there's uh, and sorcery elements, alchemic elements. I can go on for days on that kind of woo-woo stuff, but that gets really out there, and I'm not sure if you guys really want to hear about any of that anyway. So, um, But it's channeling work that's occurring here. Uh, energy's coming down into the well, and it's being channeled by the ritual facilitator, who is frequently the leadership of the tribe, the seat of luck, and is going out to the tribe. Now, in the instance that it's not the leadership of the tribe, uh, it's an... It's, important that the leadership of the tribe be involved in the ritual uh, because they need that flow of luck from the gods to them so that it can go into the tribal stores it's still even if they're not there, going to go to the tribal members that are there in the well during ritual and then feed through that oath web back up to that central leadership so it's all going to funnel into and i say up it's actually more down as the appropriate it's all going to flow downhill into the well and into the lowest point which is the leadership um, that's that pooling point uh, where everything gathers in this instance a bottom up versus a top down uh, kind of hierarchy seems to be more appropriate because we're thinking about the flow of water and uh, that most mirrors the flow of energy path of least resistance pooling areas things like that 
I can go on forever about energy work too. Anyway, so the flow of these luck energies goes down into the well, into the epicenter, which is that leader, that, that, that seat of luck. And they become imbued with all of that luck. They become responsible for it. They then need to dole it out, and they need to safeguard it, they need to protect it, they need to build it, they need to wield it appropriately so that it builds on itself, kind of like playing the stock market, invest that luck appropriately, and the luck will build upon itself and feed back in. So it's, um, there's a whole lot of different levels that go on here. It's a complex responsibility that the leadership takes on, and this is something that a lot of people don't necessarily understand in the modern day when they're setting up their their uh, chieftains or their goalies to, to lead these organizations. I see a lot of people that want to do more laissez-faire, more um, diluted leadership in a tribe, and that's fine, that's, that's, that's your call, uh, not my hall, not my call kind of thing. But I will say this, that there is benefit to having central leadership. The idea of a, a singular focus drive, just from a mechanical point, of a singular focus drive for the betterment of the tribe, especially informed by the tribe in forms of councils and things like that. Um, a benevolent leader <laughs> is uh, honestly the in my eyes, the best setup, uh, but that's just my eyes, okay? The, uh, the benefit from the metaphysical side is you create that seed of luck. You bestow upon that person the faith of the seed of luck. You say, all right, here you go. Here's my tab. Let's do this. You're the seed of luck. Somebody else comes up, all right, there's mine. You're the seed of luck. And so all of those points then flow into the center. And that's a key thing with the oath web, as you design it, as you build it, all of the roads lead to Rome, eventually. Uh, all of the threads lead back to that central leadership. Whether or not you have members oathed to each other, they still need in some way through the web to be oathed back to that central leadership to truly be part of the oath web. You know, yeah, you may have, like in our instance, I may have Jarls underneath me that have a couple of different families underneath them. So I may have, you know, Janhari over here and uh, Oli, and Oli is my Jarl, and Janhari over here is, is a Karl in the tribe, and he's come in and he's oathed to Oli, and Oli is oathed to me. Now, Janhari is not necessarily oathed to me directly, but he is part of my oath web, and Oli, under my auspices, has taken another point on that web and branched it out. So therefore, he is still tied to me by a degree of separation. That's the way the oath web works. You get pulled in. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to be oathed to the central leadership. It just simply means that you have to be within the roadways to that. You need to tie in at one of these jump points and that helps to tie you to the flow. You know, it's like jumping on an electric current. Hey, let me tap in there and then get my flow of power too. Um, yeah, it's a thing. You, know, you can stand by a light that's, you know, I, I'm trying to find a good metaphor for it. But anyway, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, when you plug into the power circuit, you really get the flow of energy. Um, you can get the radiation off of it, uh, the heat off the light or whatever, but in order to get a real plug in, you need to plug in. And that plug becomes your oath web, you know, and then you swear oath to this plug in the wall and then all of a sudden you're part of the giant circuit that all feeds back to the powerhouse in the center um, and it all flows from there and to there and it's it's 
Mm, pretty good metaphor. <laughs> so that's the key element here when I'm talking about the oath web, okay? The seat of luck in the middle. Because of the level of responsibility that we take on when we take up that mantle, we must take our responsibility in that leadership extremely important, extremely seriously. Because there's a lot of people riding on us and our decisions impact the luck of everyone within the oath web. Now, different levels of the oath web can be cut off. Um, that's where we come back to one of my other questions that came up. I had a writer uh, write in and uh, ask me about, well, they asked me a little bit about the what actually goes into an oath web. How do you know when it's time to make the oath? Uh, but one of the things is the release of the oath. And I will tell you the ritual of oathing as far as the ceremony of hold oath differs from place to place, from person to person. One of the key elements to it, though, is that two people swear over an oath ring, usually with both hand, both having a hand upon the oath ring and swearing to one another. Uh, we'll refer to the person who is, you know, oathing into a tribe as the giver of oath, because they're giving their hold oath, and then the recipient of that oath, the taker, um, that is, uh, that's the person who's in the tribe and is taking the hold oath of this person, okay? So for purpose of, these are not official terms, this is just kind of how I'm going about it to explain it for this particular uh, run through, okay? So the giver will come up and swear their oath to the taker, the taker, both of them having their hand on the oath ring, the taker will hear their oath and then swear a reciprocal oath and then officially tie their weird together. We do this through the exchange of drinks in, a, in our tribal horn. Uh, I'll have the first person drink and charge the horn and then pass it to the giver and then the giver will drink from it to take as part of the, take part of the luck of the tribe into themselves and of course feed theirs into it. And then the taker will take another drink to solidify that circuit. And then we consider it complete uh, once that is done after the oathing is done. So that's, very bare bones on some of it. Ours is actually more complicated than that. But that's kind of the gist of it, the bare basics of a, an oathing ceremony. Now, in order to release someone from the oath web, this can occur from the center point, the seat of luck, can release anybody's oath throughout the oath web because they are all under the central leadership's auspices. Um, he's responsible for all the subsequent oaths. So even if the Jarl, if one of my Jarls doesn't, <clears throat> doesn't want to release this person or isn't available to release this person, I could do it for them. You know, I could step in and say, no, I'm dissolving your hold oath. You're no longer a part of my oath web because it all comes back to that central leadership. They have control over the entire web because they are the seat of luck and have to have that power. If you do not empower your seat of luck with that, they cannot adequately safeguard the luck of the tribe. They must be able to cut any of the threads within the tribe at any time. Similarly, as the weaver of the web, the seed of luck can reappropriate those oaths within the oath web to a more practical location, or let's say middle management is the issue and you have to cut out a middle management individual, uh, the seed of luck can do that as the holder of all the oaths and can cut out this centerpiece and then restring those other oaths to themselves. Do you necessarily need to go through and re-swear those oaths? I would say not. Some would say you do. It's a tribal tradition aspect, but they are in part of the oath web at that time. So if you have to cut out this middle piece through ceremony, the central leadership can simply 
bring forward those oaths and take them either onto himself or reassign them to another node, another point on the web and tie them in that way. It just depends on your particular structure. But the key thing is to make sure in setting up your tribes that you empower your seed of luck to be able to do these things. The release of the oath is simple as far as ceremony goes. The central leadership or the individual that holds that particular oath, um, the taker, not the giver, can, over the oath ring, stand up and say, I hereby release you from your hold oath and cast you out of the oath web, whatever your verbiage is going to be, and uh, simply declare the oath dissolved. Because that's a key element in building your oath, is that it is not a lifelong oath. It is as long as the oath is held between the two, with the understanding that you don't have to set shield because the shield naturally uh, for this kind of an oath would be excommunication from the social construct in which they are oathing. So similarly, you can simply just cut that tie and let them go. Um, preferably you do this in person, but sometimes things are toxic and you have to do it remotely. Eh, it happens. Um, it's a thing. Uh, the big thing is to bear someone to bear witness to the release of the oath to make it official um, so that they can then vouch for this having been done to the other members, uh, provided this is a person the other members trust. Uh, I highly recommend someone that's already within the oath web so that the others that are tied to them can consider them valid, etc., etc., etc. Multiple witnesses are better, but sometimes you got to work with what you got. Okay. Similarly, uh, the seed of luck can stand up over the oath ring and say, I dissolve so-and-so's oath um, and hereby redirect all of their subsequent hold oaths to here, or I redirect this oath to this one, this one to that one, this one to that one, and that one I'm taking to myself. Um, they are the weaver of the oath web, so they can redirect things however they see fit. Um, that's the thing about central leadership. They have to be empowered with that ability to be able to do those things. If you want to move, um, you can eliminate middle management, you can create new positions, and then just rearrange people within the oath web how you need to, you know? Um, as far as the intertribal structure goes, uh, you must empower your central leadership to that effect, or else they don't have the power to protect the web and to put the infrastructures in place necessary to make sure that the flow of luck goes the way that it needs to. So, it's a long ramble. Um, hopefully I've hit some of the key points here. Um, like I said, the questions that were asked of me were big things about uh, the idea of noblesse oblige, uh, which is the um, <coughs> obligation of you know the upper class to the lower class. I hope here I have exhibited why uh, that concept is very valid within heathenry as far as that seed of luck holding a higher responsibility to the under levels than the others, you know. Um, to flip that into our well, uh, that epicenter must feed up to the banks and they have a greater weight on them <laughs> and are they're obliged to do well by these individuals because that's the role that they have taken on. Um, yes, noblesse oblige does indeed apply at least in that application and that interpretation of the term. Uh, you can get finicky with syntax and all that stuff, but eh, the gist is, yeah, yeah, it applies. So, talked a little bit about the Oath Web itself, why it's designed the way it is, why it needs to be malleable in the format that it is, empowering your central leadership so that they can manipulate the malleable 
OathWeb, and then of course the concept of bringing in or letting go, why those are important. You know, somebody asked me about the impact, letting somebody go from the OathWeb, you know, cutting them loose. Uh, how does that impact everybody else on the web? Well, ultimately speaking, in that you've got the epicenter here and all these other branches, um, it depends. You know, if that's the only, if you've got a small oath web and that's the only line, then it impacts fairly heavily because you're cutting off a major flow. You know, if you've only got like central leadership and four members, then you're cutting off a quarter of the flow into the tribe. There's, there's some impact there, you know? Um, plus the shake of the web is felt more because there's less to absorb it. Uh, the wider the oath web is, the more it can absorb and the more, uh, the less impact losing one of those lines is. Now, because of that central leadership seat of luck aspect, you can overextend the oath web and not be not have a strong enough store of luck to feed out to the ends and so people get looked over people don't get the flow the way they need to and you can have withering towards the edge of the web and that can be very very dangerous to a tribe when you start losing those end pieces um, naturally it's going to happen uh, it's not a universal thing you can't always be 100 percent um, but you try to keep the oath web proportionate to the store of luck within the seed of the tribe and if you overreach, you will tell because you can look to your seat of the tribe and see that they are taxed, that they are not, there's too much of a drain on the luck. And this can either be because an individual within the tribe is pulling too much or is putting poison into the well. It can be that you've extended the web too far. Um, it could be that the rituals aren't in the right places or the structure's not in the right places to feed the luck back into the center the way that it needs to so that it can then flow out to the ex exterior. And there's a lot of different factors that can go in, but if your central leadership's not doing well, um, it may be a red flag that there's something wrong in the structural aspects or there's something that they need to tend to within one of the flows to bring everything back into the pool. You know, maybe we're not as good with the gods as we should be and we should re-up that because we're not getting that you know, that government funding to our organization so that we can keep doing what we do. You know, we get the donations down here, but it's that big government grant that really lets us continue to operate. Um, that can kind of be a thing. So you want to stay good with the gods so you can continue to get their blessing and that luck, because that's what the blessing is. It's a charge of luck to the tribe, and then the tribe doles it out, and we all benefit together, you know. it's um, kind of the way it works. So, anyway... I hope this hasn't been too rambly. I hope that I've hit some good points, and I hope, again, it's not too redundant on the previous video. I do fear sometimes when I revisit these subjects, especially if it's been fairly recent, um, that there's some redundancy in my explanations because you, you guys know how my mind works at this point. I ramble, and sometimes my rambling revisits areas that we've already covered before. Those are not necessarily, it's a thing, but there's enough new in this to hopefully give you the context of why I pull that to the forefront and why we look at it from a different angle, um, things like that. So, thank you guys, I appreciate it. I uh, hope you guys enjoy these videos. Hope you keep coming back. As long as you like the videos and do all that stuff I talked about in the beginning of the video, um, I'll keep making them. As long as you guys like what I'm talking about, like wanna hear what I have to say, um, I'll keep churning stuff out. I mean, it's gonna get kinda of out there sometimes because there's only so many areas of heathenry that I can talk about on a weekly basis before some of the stuff just kinda of gets silly. It'll be kinda of like sweeps week. Because um, <laughs> you gotta gotta plug it with something. So um, do give me recommendations, give me requests, ask questions. Uh, don't be surprised if I turn one of your questions into a whole video because 
That feedback is necessary to keep good content coming your way. You know, if you want to know it, there's probably others that want to know it too, or at least to hear my take on it. So anyway, thank you guys. Cannot say how much I appreciate you guys. At the time of the viewing of this one, uh, we are at 1,205. <laughs> 1,207. I'm sorry. Game two last night. Uh, 1,207 subscribers. Holy monkeys. That's crazy. Uh, just wow. I couldn't even begin to imagine when I started this silly little project on the side uh, that you guys would like it this much. So thank you. Cannot express how much it. I, I appreciate it, and the feedback that I get from you guys is heartwarming. Cannot tell you the number of people that have written in and told me, hey, I'm learning so much from your videos, I'm a newbie, I'm just starting out, and you're the, you know, I, I love what you're doing, please keep doing it. And almost every video I put out, I get somebody that says, please keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for that. It, it really does warm my heart, and I thank every one of you that has reached out to me. You guys are awesome. You're the reason that I keep doing it. So thank you guys. Hail, may your hearth fires burn bright. <laughs>